Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. The Last Supper. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my, with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question amongst themselves which of them it might be who would do this.
throughout Lent, I've been reading a book called The Merciful Humility of God. Tonight, we are remembering the greatest act of humility ever recorded as Jesus, the Messiah, takes the place of the lowliest slave to wash the feet of his disciples. In Philippians 2, we read, Do nothing out of vain conceit and selfish ambition, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In the book, Jane Williams, who wrote it, finishes each chapter telling the story of someone who has followed this command. Most of those she chooses have since become saints, apart from the one who lived most recently. And this is Jean Vanier, who founded L'Arche Communities. In his youth, Jean was shown work that was being done by Christians caring for disabled people. And he invited two disabled men into his home and cared for them. From this humble beginning, L'Arche has become a worldwide movement where those who are disabled live alongside able people and all seek to learn from each other. In a society which values success so highly, people with disabilities are often undervalued and overlooked. They are more vulnerable and often dependent on others. Vanier believes that all of our lives, we are a mystery of growth from weakness to weakness. We start as vulnerable children and most of us end our lives through increasing infirmity. By creating communities where people with or without developmental difficulties enjoy mutual friendship, L'Arche seeks to live the Beatitudes, Jesus' call in the Sermon on the Mount, to be people of simplicity, gentleness, compassion, justice, and peace. While reading the book, I've come to see that the key to humility is selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. In John 13, it says, Jesus showed the full extent of his love when he washed the disciples' feet. In Philippians 2, we read, he made himself nothing. As the old hymn says, he emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. We are called to be like-minded with Jesus, to have the same love for others. We can never be Jesus, but in our relationships with each other, with our families, friends, and colleagues. How hard do we, do I, try to show humility 
and consider them to be better than ourselves, looking not only to our interests, but to theirs. Monday Thursday is a time to reflect on humility, but also to think about pride and the relationship between pride and humility is really interesting. Henry Rowland, who was a physics professor, uh, was once called to be an expert witness in a trial And during the cross-examination, our lawyer demanded, what are your qualifications as an expert witness in this case? They challenged him. This gentle, modest physics professor who'd spent most of his life in academia replied quietly, I am the greatest living expert on the subject under discussion. Later, a friend who is well acquainted with Roland's disposition expressed a surprise at his very unusually and his uncharacteristic, very bold answer. Roland answered, well, what did you expect me to do? I was under oath. Jesus and his disciples were enjoying a Passover meal. It was a time of joy and celebration, retelling how God has faithfully delivered his people in the past out of slavery, out of captivity. If you're one of Jesus' disciples that day, maybe they'd be very excited, anticipating that they were in the presence of someone extraordinary who is going to deliver God's people once and for all. Of course, four days earlier, he'd entered into the city with cries of Hosanna that the king is coming. But there was also tension and conflict with the religious leaders about. One of the things we've thought about a little bit this week is about how surprising it is that so many of the gospel accounts and stories have a meal at the center of them. Luke's gospel is particularly full of meals. But Jesus had meals with all types of people. He doesn't look to be picky and choosy. Over this meal at the end of his life, Jesus is taking the opportunity to instruct his disciples about what's important and what's not important. Eat this meal, says Jesus, to remember me. Love one another as I have loved you. 
remain in me, says Jesus. Serve one another in humility. Wash one another's feet. True greatness, Jesus is saying, is found in true humility. It was John Riskin who said, I believe the first test of a truly great person is their humility. And what I don't mean by humility is doubt of any power or hesitation in speaking one's opinion. But really great people have a feeling that greatness is not in them, but through them, that they could not be anything or do anything than God made them to be or do. Andrew Murray, the Christian writer, put it like this. He said, the humble person feels no jealousy or envy. They can praise God when others are preferred and blessed before them. They can bear to hear others praised while they are forgotten. Because we've received the spirit of Jesus who pleased not himself and sought not his own honour. Therefore, in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, he has put on the heart of compassion, as Mary shared, kindness, meekness, patience and long-suffering, and humility. It was C.S. Lewis who said this. He said, if you think you're not conceited, it means that you're very conceited indeed. It reminds me of the minister, the Christian pastor who said he had a wonderful service, a sermon on humility, but was waiting for a very large crowd to preach it to. The religious leaders were full of pride. During the weeks leading up to Jesus' death, Jesus calls out the religious leaders as snakes even, as hypocrites and blind guides. Why? Surely they didn't start out that way. Surely they had good intentions at some point. But Jesus says, woe to you. You're spending all your time on the outside while the inside is mucky and dirty, full of greed and self-indulgence. Matthew records it that way. For us, as we approach Monday, Thursday, as we journey towards the cross, we see that Jesus takes us back again and again to our hearts, to our intentions, to our motivations for what we do. And hopefully, our prayer this Easter includes this, not my will, but yours. Not my will, Lord, but yours. And just to close, another story from D.L. Moody. Some of you will have heard of him. was probably one of the most famous Christians. He was an evangelist uh, in the late 1800s. And he was one of those people who was successful in the Christian world. People traveled from everywhere to see him, to attend his Bible conferences, And one year, a large group of pastors from Europe came to attend one of his conferences. 
And they were given rooms in the dormitories of this theological college that Moody taught at. And one of the things that happened for Europeans when they went into theological colleges, at the end of the evening, they would take off their shoes and they would leave them outside the door of the dormitory they were in, uh, expecting that a servant would come in and polish them overnight. Of course, in the American dorms, there were no, uh, there were no servants. But as Moody was walking the halls uh, this one night, praying for all the different people who were coming to his uh, Bible conference that week, he saw the shoes outside the corridors. And he realized what had happened, that the Europeans had expected that someone would serve them. He went to some of his students who he was teaching, but none of the students really thought they wanted to help. So without another word, the great evangelist gathered up his shoes and then took them back to his own room. We began to clean and polish each pair. Moody told no one what he'd done, but actually it was a friend who interrupted him in the middle of shining the shoes and helped him finish the task that told the story of what had happened. Despite the praise, despite the frame, he received, he received because of God's blessing on his life and Moody remained a humble man throughout. Tonight we celebrate Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of Heaven, the one who had the right for all the honor, all the praise, all the worship. Yet to be our Savior, he laid all his privileges aside and became a lowly servant for us. We often hear, and the challenge is true for me too, talking of living as Jesus lived, about the fact he's a model for us to follow. But this evening we're reminded, are we willing to give up our rights and to reflect his humility? We will never become like Jesus unless we humble ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for each one of us, we recognize the trappings of living in this world. Other things become too important. Things get in the way. Some bad experiences mean that we struggle to receive your grace and we struggle to lay everything down afresh before you. Father, would you help us peel away another layer of self-reliance and self-dependence this evening? as we offer ourselves to you. Thank you for the extraordinary gift that we have in Jesus. Amen.